Section 9 of The Watergate Report, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter 8 The Use Rebozo Investigation and Related Matters. Part 2. 4. Rebozo's 1969 Responsibilities. A. Introduction. There is evidence before the committee indicating that in 1969, Charles Bibi Rebozo exercised a number of responsibilities on behalf of the White House and President Nixon. These simultaneous assignments included the following. 1. Fundraising for the use of the administration. 2. The dispersal of funds for various administration-connected projects. 3. Acting as agent for President Nixon in the purchase, improvement, and maintenance of his home in Key Biscayne, Florida. 4. Fundraising for the President's re-election campaign. B. Fundraising. On February 17, 1969, H. R. Haldeman wrote a confidential memorandum to John Ehrlichman, which stated in part, B.B. Rebozo has been asked by the President to contact J. Paul Getty in London regarding major contributions. B.B. would like advice from you or someone as to how this can legally and technically be handled. The funds should go to some operating entity other than the National Committee so that we can retain full control of their use. B.B. would appreciate your calling him with this advice as soon as possible, since the President has asked him to move quickly. Signed, H. H. R. Haldeman stated through his attorney that he recalled that Rubozo attempted to obtain a contribution from J. Paul Getty. Edward L. Morgan said in an interview that shortly after his appointment to the White House staff in early 1969, he was called by John Ehrlichman. Morgan said that Ehrlichman requested his advice on whether a contributor like J. Paul Getty could give $50,000 to the administration to be used for social events at the White House until July 1969, when a new budget appropriation would be available for such purposes. Morgan stated that he called Chuck Stewart, a friend of his in the White House, who also worked for Ehrlichman, to discuss the matter and that they agreed that using private contributions to fund White House social functions was inappropriate. Morgan also said that he advised Ehrlichman that he and Stewart agreed that private contributions for such social functions were inappropriate. Rebozo testified that Herm Kalmbach asked him to make an appointment for Kalmbach with J. Paul Getty for the purpose of obtaining a contribution for the 1972 election. Rebozo testified that he had not been asked by anyone else to speak to Getty himself, nor had he been requested by anyone else to obtain money from Mr. Getty. 
Herbert Kalmbach testified that Rebozo had asked Kalmbach to solicit funds from Mr. Getty for the 1970 senatorial campaign program. Kalmbach also testified that Rebozo, quote, set it up for him to see Mr. Getty in Europe, end quote. General Alexander Haig testified that President Nixon had advised him that Mr. Rebozo had received campaign contributions frequently and that he normally or generally passed them on to the campaign. Haig further testified that he assumed that the time period discussed by the President included 1969 through 1971. In addition to this evidence concerning the contact with J. Paul Getty in early 1969, Rebozo was also having discussions at about the same time with Richard Danner about the possibility of a cash contribution from Howard Hughes. These discussions are covered more fully in a subsequent section of this report. C. Dispersal of Funds There is evidence indicating that Rebozo maintained a fund in Florida to pay for administration-connected costs. In a letter of April 28, 1969, from Rebozo to Kalmbach, Rebozo wrote in part, Over the weekend I spoke with John Ehrlichman and explained to him that it had been decided that the larger balance which I mentioned to you will be kept here in order to take care of frequent administration-connected costs which arise from time to time. There is evidence indicating that the fund which Rebozo maintained in Florida consisted of campaign funds. Rebozo testified that he retained about $6,000 from the 1968 campaign because the campaign owed him that amount for expenses that he had covered during the campaign. On April 15, 1969, Rebozo set up the Wakefield special account with a deposit of $6,000 from the Florida Nixon for President Committee. Thomas H. Wakefield testified that he did not know that this account was opened until later, when Rebozo advised him that he had established the account and that both individuals were signatories. On April 15, 1969, Jack Caulfield wrote to Herbert Kalmbach a letter which said in part, Listed below is a list of expenses incurred by myself and another individual who shall remain nameless with respect to matters of interest to J.D.E. Caulfield's bill totaled $320, and he concluded, I would appreciate a check in the amount indicated above to be mailed to my residence, 13 Carlton Road, Orangeburg, New York. On April 17, 1969, Kalmbach wrote a letter to John Ehrlichman, which said in part, Confirming our conversation of a few minutes ago, I'm in the process of setting up one trustee for client's account at the Security Pacific National Bank's Newport Beach office home here in the Newport Center. The initial deposit will be in the amount of $216.18 which was received from Bibi this date. I will write checks to Jack Caulfield and whomever else you may authorize to receive payments at such time as I receive the additional funds. Rebozo also sent Kalmbach an additional check for $200 on April 28, 1969, and a check from the Wakefield Special Account to Kalmbach for $1,000 on July 17, 1969. 
These funds were subsequently used by Herbert Kalmbach to pay the expenses and salary of Anthony T. Ulasewicz. There is conflicting testimony concerning whether or not Rebozo was aware of the purpose of the funds he forwarded in 1969. Rebozo testified that he had advised Kalmbach after the 1968 election that he had leftover funds available and that subsequently Kalmbach requested some of the funds to be sent to him. Rebozo testified that Kalmbach did not indicate, nor did Rebozo ask, what the purpose of the funds was. Kalmbach said he was authorized by John Ehrlichman to contact Rebozo about obtaining leftover campaign funds to pay for Caulfield's expense statement submitted to Kalmbach. Kalmbach testified that he then contacted Rebozo to obtain funds to pay for the expenses of Caulfield and Ulasewicz. Kalmbach testified that he had discussed the nature of the activities of Caulfield and Ulasewicz with Rebozo, and that Rebozo specifically knew that the money was for Caulfield and Ulasewicz. Kalmbach's notes also indicate that he called Rebozo during the week of July 14, 1969, and that they had discussed the payment of Ulasewicz as well as the payment of his expenses. However, Rebozo testified that he was not aware of the purpose of the funds that he forwarded to Kalmbach. Rebozo also used funds to pay for personal expenses for President Nixon from 1969 through 1973. These expense items are more fully explained later in this report. Finally, Larry Higby, formerly H.R. Haldeman's administrative assistant, testified that on or about April 30, 1973, at about the time of Haldeman's resignation, Mr. Haldeman told me that during one of the discussions he had had with the President at the time of, or immediately after his resignation, the President indicated that Mr. Rebozo did have some funds that could be made available to Mr. Haldeman, and as I understand it, also to Mr. Ehrlichman, for the purpose of assisting in a legal defense. Higby also testified that Haldeman advised him that Rebozo had somewhere, quote, in the neighborhood of $400,000 available to assist on legal fees, end quote. Higby testified that he had confirmed the substance of his testimony two weeks earlier in a telephone conversation with Haldeman. D. Acting Agent for President Nixon at Key Biscayne On the day following President Nixon's inauguration in 1969, Thomas H. Wakefield testified that he met with the President and B.B. Rebozo at a White House staff reception. Wakefield testified that at this meeting with President Nixon and Rebozo, Wakefield was given instructions concerning matters which resulted in expenditures incurred on behalf of President Nixon. Footnote. Hearings. 11333-34. Wakefield refused to answer a number of questions about his conversation with President Nixon and Charles G. Rebozo because of the attorney-client privilege Wakefield asserted with respect to both individuals. And footnote. Wakefield refused to discuss these instructions, claiming they were protected by the attorney-client privilege. Wakefield also testified that this meeting with President Nixon and Rebozo was the first occasion when Wakefield was informed 
by the president that henceforth rebozo would act as the president's agent for matters that wakefield refused to describe wakefield also testified that he attended a second meeting at the white house with john ehrlichman and bb rebozo either later the same day or the following day after wakefield's meeting with president nixon wakefield again refused to disclose the substance of this conversation on the grounds of attorney-client privilege and because quote, mr rebozo was designated an agent in the beginning of the conversation by mr ehrlichman end quote. wakefield stated that some action was taken as a result of his meeting with ehrlichman and rebozo but wakefield declined to describe what occurred because of his attorney-client relationship with the president as will be described more fully in a section below certain one hundred dollar bills were deposited among trust accounts held by thomas h wakefield and were applied for expenditures on behalf of the president's key biscayne homes at the instructions of bb rebozo in addition richard danner's diary entry of november twenty first nineteen sixty eight reflects quote, l d from c g r miami r e house project End quote. Danner testified that this notation reflected a telephone call with Rebozo, but that Danner had quote, no recollection whatsoever of what House Project had to do with that conversation. End quote. Danner did recall his friend, former Senator George Smathers, telling him that Smathers was going to sell his house to President Nixon following the 1968 election, but Danner had no recollection of discussing this sale with B.B. Rebozo. Therefore, at the time in early 1969, when Rebozo and Danner again began to discuss a contribution from Howard Hughes, there is evidence indicating Rebozo was already raising funds at the direction of the President. Rebozo was dispersing money from the campaign funds for various administration projects, and Rebozo was acting as agent for President Nixon with respect to the purchase and maintenance of his key Biscayne homes. 5. Delivery and Retention of the Contributions Introduction and Summary of Facts Contributions that were finally delivered to Rebozo were the culmination of the attempted deliveries during 1968 described earlier. A contribution was discussed during the 1968 election and continued to be an item of discussion thereafter among various parties, including Hughes, Mayhew, Danner, and Rebozo. The discussions were intense in early December 1968 and continued into the spring and summer of 1969, when Rebozo chided Danner about Hughes' generous support of Democrats and less sizable support of President Nixon and Mayhew authorized a contribution to Rebozo. The testimony on the deliveries of the money is voluminous and often contradictory, and Danner, Mayhew, and Rebozo maintain few written records of the transaction. Rebozo testified that the money he received from Danner remained unused in a safe deposit box from its delivery to him in two installments, until he returned it to agents of Hughes in June 1973. That testimony has been challenged by other testimony and evidence before the Select Committee. The available testimony and evidence point to the following facts. 
one the money for one of the deliveries to rebozo was put together in early december nineteen sixty eight there is considerable testimony from various principals indicating that the first delivery consisted of money made available in december nineteen sixty eight and that it was maintained whole until the ultimate delivery in early december nineteen sixty eight robert mayhew and others acting on behalf of howard hughes were deeply involved in attempts to make a hughes to nixon contribution robert mayhew received one hundred thousand dollars in cash in early December, $50,000 of which he tried to deliver to President-elect Nixon or one of his aides at Palm Springs, pursuant to negotiations commenced earlier in the year by Rebozo and Danner. Danner was in Las Vegas during this December 1968 period, talking about joining the Hughes organization and, according to one of Danner's recollections, discussing political contributions with Mayhew. Fifty consecutively numbered $100 bills, among those Rebozo identified as the first delivery were, according to Federal Reserve Board records and other documentary evidence, delivered to the Las Vegas Bank used by use casinos during this early December 1968 period. 2. The first delivery took place in 1969. In their initial interviews and testimony, the principals involved in the deliveries agreed that 1969 was the year of the first delivery. Mayhew has continued to subscribe to that statement. Danner changed his testimony after consultation with Rebozo, and Rebozo changed from 1969 in his first interview with the IRS to 1970 and subsequent testimony as the year of the first delivery. 3. The first delivery to Rebozo occurred September 11 or 12, 1969, in Key Biscayne, Florida. When Danner joined the Hughes organization in February 1969, there was an ongoing concern that the money be delivered soon. According to Danner, in the spring of 1969, he and Mayhew noted that the 1968 money was still intact and available for Rebozo, and Danner told Rebozo, that it was available. Not long before September 11th and 12th, Mayhew authorized a delivery to Rebozo. Robert Mayhew has stated the first delivery took place in 1969. Danner's first statement regarding this contribution substantially comports with Mayhew's recollection of the first delivery. Danner's testimony until changed in July 1973, after consultation with Rebozo, was that the first delivery was in September 1969. 4. There is considerable evidence suggesting that the second delivery took place on July 3, 1970, or August 1970, and there is some evidence of a delivery on October 28 or 30, 1970. July 3, 1970. According to Rebozo and Danner, this was the date of a delivery at San Clemente. Both men have always contended that one of the two deliveries was at San Clemente, and Danner testified that this is the only time he was there. Only Rebozo testified firmly that this was the first delivery. Mayhew stated that both deliveries were Key Biscayne. August 19 and 20, 1970. If the first delivery were on July 3rd, 
the second delivery would have been either august nineteenth or twentieth or october twenty eighth or thirtieth danner and mayhew discounted the october date as too close to the nineteen seventy election for the money to have been used for congressional campaigns rebozo testified that the second delivery was in key biscayne following the july third nineteen seventy delivery within a quote, matter of weeks it could have been three months i don't know i think i saw somewhere danner had indicated it was in august and that would be correct End quote. october twenty eighth to thirty nineteen seventy the strongest evidence supporting this late nineteen seventy date is the statement of thomas bell a used lawyer that he gave fifty thousand dollars to danner on october twenty sixth danner testified that he did not receive money from bell however and danner and robert mayhew doubted a delivery so close to the nineteen seventy congressional election five there is evidence suggesting that there may have been more than two deliveries from danner to rebozo the only way much of the conflicting testimony can be reconciled is to conclude there were more than two deliveries of funds there are four likely delivery dates september eleventh through twelfth nineteen sixty nine july third nineteen seventy august nineteen and twenty nineteen seventy and october twenty eighth through thirty nineteen seventy four packets of money have been identified as possible sources of the deliveries early december nineteen sixty eight sands casino december fifth nineteen sixty eight nadine henley july eleventh nineteen sixty nine nadine henley and october twenty sixth nineteen seventy thomas bell silver slipper six documentary evidence from the federal reserve raises the question whether rebozo maintained the two deliveries intact see below the following summary paragraphs should help the reader understand the detailed information that follows section a sets forth the testimony and statements of the principals there are numerous contradictions among the principals and most of them have contradicted themselves on key points section b is an analysis of the possible sources of the contributions to rebozo determining when and where the money for the two deliveries were put together is directly related to an examination of rebozo's testimony that the money he received from hughes was the same money he returned to Hughes in June 1973. The Hughes people involved in assembling the money for delivery to Rebozo, notably Robert Mayhew, have stated that the money for each delivery remained intact from the time it was assembled until the dates of the delivery to Rebozo by Richard Danner, Hughes' agent. The select committee attempted to determine the accuracy of that assertion and it found no contradictory evidence or testimony. In contrast, Rebozo's testimony that he did not disturb or use the money has been challenged by testimony and evidence received by the select committee. The available evidence suggests that $50,000 for one of the deliveries was obtained in early 1968, and the money returned and identified as the used contribution. Footnote the serial numbers which the select committee and the federal reserve system have been tracing are those of the one thousand and one federal reserve notes rebozo returned 
while the contribution is generally referred to as a $100,000 contribution, Rebozo returned $100,100. How and when the extra note got into the money is an unresolved question. The committee has no evidence that a list of serial numbers were prepared when the money was put together or when it was delivered. End of footnote. Our numerous $100 bills in the package identified as the first delivery and in the package identified as the second delivery that were not available for commercial circulation until after early December 1968. Therefore, either the money was not kept intact from time of origin in December 1968 until its delivery to Rebozo, or it was not kept intact by Rebozo between its receipt and its return. Section C analyzes the possible delivery dates and reaches the conclusions summarized above. Section D analyzes the testimony and evidence relating to the storage of the used contributions by Rebozo. Section E compares the testimony and evidence relating to possible combinations of sources and delivery dates with the available Federal Reserve records. The comparison raises a question whether the money Rebozo returned was the same money he received. For example, if the first delivery was on July 3, 1970, in San Clemente, and the second on August 19 or 20, 1970, in Key Biscayne, a probable combination, according to testimony by Danner and Rebozo, there are 35 bills in the money returned and identified as the second delivery that were not available for commercial circulation until after August 20, 1970. Those 35 bills, therefore, could not have been delivered to Rebozo on August 19th or 20th, but instead would have been inserted into the package identified as the second delivery at some later date before Rebozo returned the money. The latest date of commercial distribution is October 1st, 1970 when a 1969 series $100 bill, serial number GO2134916A, was released to the Lakeview Trust and Savings Bank of Chicago by the Chicago Federal Reserve Bank. The 35 bills are as follows. Federal Reserve Notes Identified as Part of Second Delivery to Rebozo not available for commercial distribution until after August 19 through 20, 1970. Footnote. For some of the notes listed below, records exist showing dates of distribution to commercial banks. For other bills, however, records exist only through the date of release to a Federal Reserve Bank's cash department. The dates of commercial release for those notes would be on or after the dates of release to cash departments. End of footnote. Chart. Heading. Series. Serial. Date released to cash department, Federal Reserve Bank. Date released to commercial bank. Series. 1969. GO2-134-916A. September 8, 1970, Chicago. October 1, 1970, Lakeview Trust, Chicago. 1969, LO2, 
307A, September 3rd, 1970, Los Angeles, September 23rd, 1970, New National Bank, Las Vegas, 4th and Bridge, 1969, B007452682A, September 21, 1970, New York, 1969, LO204419A, September 3, 1970, Los Angeles, September 16, 1970, New National Bank, Las Vegas, 4th and Bridge, 1969, LO316961A, September 11, 1970, Los Angeles, September 14, 1970, New National Bank, Las Vegas, 4th and Bridge, 1969, LO3201320A, 1969, LO3169914A, 1969, LO3169915A, 1969, LO3-170-246-A. 1969, LO3-170-247-A. 1969, LO3-171-517-A. 1969, LO3-171-653-A. 1969, LO3-201-653-A. 337A, 1969, LO3, 202841A, 1963A, H009338498, September 8, 1970, St. Louis, 1963A, LO3, 967973A, September 3, 1970, Los Angeles. 1963A, LO3-967-972-A, 1969, LO1-996-101-A, 1969, LO1-997-818-A, 1969, LO1-997-820-A, 1969, LO1-998-739-A, 1969, LO2-006-342-A. 1969, LO2-011-839-A. 1969, LO2-036-812-A. 1969, LO2-039-302-A. 1969, LO2-039-303-A. 1969, LO2-047-193-A. 1969, LO1-998-424-A. 1969, K00-853-653-A. August 5, 1970, Dallas. September 2, 1970, Northwest National Bank, Dallas. 1963-A. LO three seven seven eight four five two A June ninth, nineteen seventy, Los Angeles, September second, nineteen seventy, Valley National Bank, Las Vegas, 
1969 L O one four five five two nine one A August twenty seventh, nineteen seventy, Los Angeles nineteen sixty nine L O one four four seven seven three five A End of chart It is possible that the second delivery was not made until late October nineteen seventy, as discussed in section V C in which case the Federal Reserve evidence does not contradict Rebozo's testimony. The October date, however, is less probable than several other dates as explained in Section V.C. End of Section 9 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida